Topic 8, Second Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 8. Second Paper by Professor D. J. Jordan, M.S., L.L.B. Is it time for the Negro colleges in the South to be put into the hands of Negro teachers? Nature has not been extravagant in her gift of geniuses. What has come to most of our leading men has come by hard work. Although Professor D. J. Jordan possesses talents about the average, he owes his successes largely to persistent work. He was born near Cuthbert, Georgia, October 18, 1866. His father was Reverend Giles D. Jordan, who was for twenty-five years a highly respected minister in the A.M.E. Church in Georgia. He inherits many of his excellent traits of character from his mother, Julia Jordan. In his early life, he was unable to attend school more than three months of the year, but by close application while in school and faithful study during vacations he was always able to make the next higher class at the beginning of the following school year. After finishing the English branches, he attended Payne High School at Cuthbert. In 1892 he graduated at Allen University, Columbia, South Carolina, with the degrees of B.S., and L.L.B. His record at this institution was in many respects remarkable. He was successful in passing the written examination given by the Supreme Court of South Carolina and was admitted to practice in all the courts of that state, May 1892. After his graduation, he returned to his native city, taught a term, and made preparations to enter upon the practice of the legal profession, but he was prevailed upon to accept a position on the faculty of Morris Brown College in 1893. He served here as professor of science and dean of law until November 1895, when he resigned to accept the presidency of Edward Waters College at Jacksonville, Florida. He was married December 31, 1895, by Bishop A. Grant to Miss Carrie J. Thomas, principal of one of the public schools of Atlanta. Four children have been born to them. He was elected as a lay delegate to the General Conference of the A.M.E. Church, which was held at Wilmington, North Carolina, in 1896. In the spring of 96, he accepted the position of Professor of Literature at Morris Brown College, which position he held until September 1898, 
when he was appointed professor of mathematics and vice-president of the same institution. The degree of M.S. was conferred upon him by Allen University in 1900. In the summer school held at Clark University in 1901, Professor Jordan was instructor in mathematics. He has developed with the institution with which he has been connected, fitting himself for every promotion which has come to him. Professor Jordan has an experience of 18 years in the classroom and is an excellent disciplinarian. The fact that he has filled four different chairs with credit is sufficient argument that he is an able all-round scholar. His greatest strength, however, lies in his knowledge of English. His language is chaste, his diction pure. As one of the best writers and speakers of the race, he has contributed articles to our leading periodicals, including the Atlanta Constitution, Atlanta Journal, AME Review, and Indianapolis Freeman, and has delivered several commencement addresses. I am asked to say whether or not it is time for the Negro Colleges in the South to be put into the hands of Negro teachers. The education of a people is the greatest question that can possibly concern them. It touches every phase of human interest and holds the key to the solution of every rational problem arising out of man's duty and destiny. The foundations of every helpful institution known to our social system rest upon such conceptions of right and wrong as the people's intelligence has called into being. For true teaching is not only the application of methods for the development of one's powers, but it is also a directing or turning of those powers into proper channels. With any people, it will not matter ultimately who now writes the laws, issues decrees, or enforces judgments if their youth are kept under wise, efficient instructors. How necessary, then, must it be to a race so conditioned as is the Negro in America, that their schools should be conducted by only those who are most capable and worthy. However, before we attempt to answer the question propounded, it is important that we fully comprehend its meaning. As I understand it, the matter might be stated in other words thus. Should Negroes exclusively be placed now on the faculties of the several missionary colleges which northern philanthropy has established in the south since the close of the civil war there were then not only no schools for us but there were no teachers and no money with which to employ teachers no night in egypt in the time of israel was darker than those years immediately following the Negro's emancipation. And what must have been our condition today had not those pillars of light been placed in our starless sky? 
but what is more for thirty years the same spirit and the same people who first made these colleges possible among us have continued their aid and still make them possible today and now let us see what advantages could be reasonably expected from such a change in management as the subject suggests so far as i know they who advocate the change establish themselves upon this proposition namely negro teachers are best for negro schools and this is true they say one because being of the same race there must of necessity exist such a spirit of sympathy and helpfulness between teacher and student as we could not reasonably expect were the teacher and the taught of different races two because placing before students competent men and women of their own race as teachers sets before them an example and an object lesson of what the students themselves may become and do that cannot fail to be inspiring three because the employing of negro teachers in negro schools furnishes an honorable vocation to a large number of our own people who otherwise would possibly be unemployed five because negro teachers in negro colleges by their presence and work increase the race pride among ourselves and win for us greater confidence and respect from others these are weighty considerations and per se have my most hearty approval but however complete may be our endorsement we must not forget that unqualifiedly acting upon them in the matter under discussion would not be without its losses let us now consider what these might be and then we shall be prepared to decide whether we would not rather bear those ills we have than fly to others we know not of in the first place if the people who own and sustain these schools could be induced to sever their connection with them and turn them fully into the hands of negroes although the colleges are already built equipped and advertised yet chiefly on account of our poverty we should have to close the majority of them at once this would be a most serious loss the amount of ignorance and the lack of trained leaders among us together with the small pittance done for us in the direction of even high school education by the states and cities in which we live certainly do not suggest the advisability of ridding ourselves of even one agency for enlightenment far better would it be for us and for the country if they were increased tenfold this view takes into consideration the fact that the great majority of people who give of their means to support the schools do so because they have confidence in the ability integrity and experience of those who control them and if any one is so credulous as to believe 
that the schools under the management of negroes could command the amount of interest and support as they now receive i would ask him why have negroes from mr booker t washington down who are trying to gain public confidence and assistance for their work find it necessary to invite white men to accept membership on their boards of trustees one need not go far to find the correct answer in this connection it will be in order to inquire also if there are under the control of negroes any colleges that receive anything like the amount of money for their support that is received by similar institutions under the management of white men furthermore the placing of the colleges referred to wholly into the hands of negroes would be an unnecessary drawing of the race line and would very effectually close our mouths against making protest or complaint on account of our being discriminated against for similar reasons again at this time when there seems to be on the part of certain persons of influence a foul conspiracy against the negro it is of great importance that we have among us persons whose knowledge of the facts and whose intellectual and social standing with those whose good opinions we value enable and impel them to speak out in our behalf i recall with much gratification several instances where white persons connected with negro schools have used the superior opportunities afforded them by the accident of race to say good things of us at a time when a spokesman who had the ear of the king was sorely needed if under present conditions this class of people be sent from among us i fear it might in a measure be with us as it was with a certain people in ancient times when a new king arose who knew not joseph and finally would it not be highly presumptive and insolent on our part to demand of others that they deliver into our keeping without price property which they have purchased with their own money and of which we have had the use and benefit for a third of a century until we shall be able to buy these colleges and properly support them even the serious discussion of the question it seems to me is inappropriate and puerile when therefore you ask me if in my opinion the time has come when the negro colleges in the south should be put into the hands of negro teachers i must answer you frankly no i would not be understood however as placing my approval upon everything pertaining to the management of the schools under consideration i do not deny that in some cases teachers are employed who are not possessed of the proper spirit for doing the best work among us they are sometimes haughty unsocial and unsympathetic and find themselves among us because there is offered better pay for less work than was found in their own neighborhoods 
but these do not vitiate the schools. They are exceptions. I think, too, that the faculties of the several schools, together with the boards of trustees, should be as largely composed of competent, worthy Negroes as the interests of the institutions will allow. I am sure that such a policy would both encourage our people and train them in the management of such interests, and would be fully in harmony with the spirit and purpose of the institution's founders. But we cannot state this as a demand based on what is justly ours. Let it stand rather on its soundness as to what is best as a policy designed to accomplish the highest results. Before we find too many faults, though, with these missionary colleges, we ought to show by our full loyal support of the few colleges we do control that we are both able and willing to do the proper thing when the time shall come, if ever, for placing the Negro colleges in the South into the hands of Negro teachers. End of Topic 8, Second Paper